0: Well, maybe you missed it, but a few years ago, do you know that they built a bridge in the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum, the very spot where reportedly Jesus walked on the water. Now here uh, a couple years ago now when we were over the Holy Land, I forgot to inquire about that, but I've read reports about it. And notice I said the bridge was built in the Sea of Galilee and not over the Sea of Galilee. And that's because at the turn of the century, for the millennial celebration, they were offering people who go to the Holy Land, you could have the illusion of walking on the water. And uh, they didn't have rails on this bridge to help with that illusion, but they had plenty of life rafts and lifeguards around just in case you fell over. But you know, in this text that we've just read, I didn't hear anything about a lifeboat or rails. In fact, I didn't hear anything about a bridge. Of all the stories in the New Testament that teach us that we really need to place our trust in God, I I can't think of anything better than to turn once again to this powerful story of Peter walking on the water. It's a great story and just has such incredible meaning for us as people of faith. And, of course, as we've just heard, this story takes place on the northwestern portion of the Sea of Galilee. And there Jesus is. It's late in the day, and he's just fed the 5,000 plus. And the people are amazed, and they're absolutely enthralled. How did this guy multiply the fish and the loaves, and all these people have been fed? He needs to be our king. But Jesus refused that. And he tells the disciples, he says, you go on ahead. I want to spend some time in prayer, and I'll join up with you later. And as the disciples begin to sail across the sea, there's some type of storm that develops. And that's not unusual, as we're told, because of the mountains, the topography there, but apparently it gets pretty dicey as they're out to sea. The scripture language here is talking about they, the boat, the vessel that they're on, is really being tormented by the sea. And the other thing interesting about this is it, it, it must have been in the evening when they went out to see here. Maybe you could presume something like seven, eight, nine o'clock in the evening. And this windstorm must be going on all evening long because it's not until like the, uh, this next watch, the fourth watch, the, the morning watch, that they suddenly see Jesus appearing. Now, the Jews divided the watches into three different uh, hourly time in the evening but the Romans divided the watches into four and this is taking place here in the early morning somewhere between the the, let's say 3am and 6am it's early in the morning and the disciples have been out there on the sea all this time this wasn't a fast moving storm I mean uh, the seas have been pretty uh, restless and really moving that vessel around and they must have thought this thing is never going to end has there any, been any time in your life where you just thought, this thing isn't going to end? I got sick one time with some infection, sinus infection, you know how that is. And I went on one round of antibiotics and two rounds of antibiotics. It's three rounds of antibiotics before I actually kicked it. But you're like six weeks and you're thinking, am I ever going to feel good again? What about this pandemic? How many of us are so done with the pandemic? It's like we want the pandemic gone, right? And it's like, is this ever going to end? Are we ever going to get our lives back here? You know, I love Peter because Peter reminds me, I don't know about you, but of my humanness. He's quick to act and shoot off at the mouth without thinking about it. He understands failure. After all, he's the guy that denied Christ. And yet he experienced forgiveness amazingly. He was the guy that was used in such an astonishing way on the day of Pentecost. It was amazing how people responded. It was Peter who was one of the earliest disciples. It was Peter who Jesus said, you're the rock, Peter, and upon you I'm going to build my church. It was Peter's house at Capernaum that became the headquarters for jesus lakeside ministry. It was Peter's boat that was always available for them. It was Peter that accompanied Jesus into that house where Jairus' daughter was healed. It was Peter that witnessed the transfiguration. It was Peter, however, that denied Christ three times. And yet it was Peter of all the disciples that got out of the boat. Jesus calls Peter here in this text, you are a man of little faith. What about the other 11? They didn't get out of the boat. I guess they had no faith i got to ask you today, what is keeping you from getting out of the boat? If we could just have one of those come-to-Jesus kind of meetings here and get real with yourself. We all make these New Year's resolutions every year, and they say by mid-January, everybody's tossed them. And if we would all get real with ourselves, what is it that's preventing you from really having a joyous life? What fear, what worry, what deep concern, what bad habit do you wanna break? What do you need to shed? What burden do you need to be alleviated from? Today we're beginning a new series. We're calling it Biggest Loser because we all need to lose, right? We need to lose some things in our life that are really not healthy for us. And if you recall that TV show a few years ago in the contest, being the biggest loser was actually being the biggest winner. And it was about getting to a healthier balance. It was about getting your life back. Losing the fear, the worry, the doubt, the anger, whatever it is that's preventing you from having an abundant life. Having a life of joy, of peace, and and just uh, solitude. And, you know, we seem today to live in a society where it's like risk lock, now, you've heard of gridlock, you're paralyzed. Well, risk lock is really similar, and the primary principle is everything is risky. Oh, I can't do that, there's too much risk. I, I, I can't possibly entertain that idea or really change my life, there's just too much risk involved. I, I'll have to let go of some things, I'll have to give up control, everything. You know, and let me just tell you, uh, if you're looking for absolute safety in this world, you've chosen the wrong species. Because we are going to have risk in this world. We're going to have challenge. You're going to have fears. You're going to have worries to battle and all kinds of things. You know what? Maybe you're going to say, I'm just going to stay at home in bed. I just need to stay at home in bed and let this world go on. It's too much risk for me. But maybe you'll be one of those 20,000 people every year who require... Hospital treatment that go to the ER because they fell out of bed. 20,000, they tell us. Or maybe you're going to be the type of person, I'm just going to shut the world out. I'm going to hang drapes. I'm going to put iron bars up. Or I'm going to do whatever I can do to shut my windows. But you know, maybe you'll be one in 10 people who accidentally hang themselves every year. Or maybe you'll hide your money in a mattress. But you know, maybe you'll be one out of 10,000 people who go to the ER every year because of wounds they were caused by handling money. Everything from paper cuts to hernias. Friends, if you step up to the plate, once in a while you're going you're to strike out. Even the great baseball players, Hank Aaron all the rest, two out of three times they're striking out. But if you don't step up to the plate, you're never going to hit a home run. If you don't step out of the boat and really start following Christ, yes, there's gonna be challenge. Yes, there's gonna be moments of discouragement. Yes, things are gonna upset you once in a while. Now, what do you suppose is the number one best-selling chair in America? Lazy boy. Friends, we wanna immerse ourselves in comfort. We wanna stay in our boat. We wanna hunker down in our shelter. We don't wanna get out, we wanna be comfortable. Those 11 could have been called boat potatoes. They weren't going to get out of the boat. A lot of people today, we call them couch potatoes. They want to sit and ride it out in front of their TV set. Maybe we should call some people pew potatoes. But I wonder today if you're willing to step out of the boat and enter into this venture with us, and let's all get real with Jesus. Let's become the biggest loser the, the, the church in town where everybody gave their life truly to God and started following the Lord faithfully. Now let's reflect for just a moment upon this text and this incredible story that unfolds here in Matthew 14. And if you're going to get out of the boat, let me just tell you, you gotta dispel the disillusionment. There's so many things out there that we get disillusioned about. Is that really happening? Is that what I think it is? No doubt Peter liked the boat. Here's a guy that spent his whole life on a boat. He was a fisherman. It was comfortable surroundings. I'm going to ride this boat fishing. The disciples round on the boat when the storm of sorts came up. And this was no squall. I mean, this wasn't just a brief windstorm. But I'm telling you, the language here is the vessels getting tormented. And they really didn't care about getting to the other side. Apparently, this was the moment where it was survival mode. We don't think we're going to get off this vessel. We think we're going to capsize here. We think this is it. This is some type of Titanic thing, and this is it. We're going down. And they spent the whole night petrified from the storm, and now all of a sudden a ghost shows up. They're like, we've never seen anything like this. We don't know what it is. We can see some figure coming at us, but they became so disillusioned. What's happening? It goes from bad to worse. You know, the first thing that we have to do is to dispel and deal with the disillusionment in our lives. Have you ever noticed that we make the problems of life far worse oftentimes than what they really are? It's kind of like the rear view mirror syndrome. Objects appear, you know, closer kind of thing. I mean, we're just like so petrified. We get so worked up and out of sorts over whatever the the situation seems to be. We're masters at really manufacturing terrible events in our lives. If you recall some of those old suspense movies, you know those directors really had that incredible ability. They knew how the human mind worked. And those directors knew about our ability to create fear. Now, today, they show everything on the screen. I mean, they don't hold anything back, maybe in large part due to technology and all the wonderful things they can do. But back in the old days, those older movies, they could lead you right up where you knew something bad was going to happen and then not show it. Those directors allowed your mind to fill in the blanks. The disciples here are filling in the blanks. And everything is really becoming larger than life. Their fears are being realized. They're so disillusioned. And they see this figure walking on the water, and they assume the worst. It's a ghost. And oftentimes, we make those fears, those worries, those concerns larger than they really are. And so I have to ask, how do you handle your fear right now? How do you deal with the disillusionment? is to do what Peter did here, and he got to know Christ. He knew the Lord. You know, I had an FBI agent, uh, an agent of some type in one of the churches I served, and we talked a bit about this, and and I've read this, and uh, apparently, you know, that they trained the federal agents to spot counterfeit money by putting them in a room with the real money. And day after day, they are studying and looking at all of the authentic currency. And then after a few days of that or weeks, they slip in a phony bill and they spot it most of the time. Not because they know all about the counterfeit, because you can make all kinds of different counterfeits, but it's because they know the real thing. And let me say to you in the same manner today, you've got to get real familiar with Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ, God's word. You've got to get in God's word and study and know it. And that way, when the pseudo savior shows or the false promise surfaces, you'll be able to say, no, wait a minute. That's not the real Jesus. That's not a promise. That's not what Jesus said in the Bible. The disciples mistake Jesus here for a ghost when he shows up. And it's only when Peter is sure that Jesus is walking on the water, when he recognizes that's Jesus, does he dare to get out of the boat? So let me get personal today. What kind of relationship do you really have with God? If you're going to do this and start losing the habits and the problems and the things you have in your life, what kind of relationship do you have with God? Now, I'm sure today... Especially after yesterday that probably all of us could identify Joey Burrow if he walked in the room. But would Joey Burrow be able to identify you? And you know, that's the kind of relationship that you need with God. Just not that you know about God, but that you really know God. And you have a relationship with God because you need that, friends, if you're going to be able to dispel, dispel all of that disillusion in your life. A second thing that is another key point in this text is to leave the boat, you gotta deal with the distractions. In our world, especially today, there are so many things. I mean, your head is bouncing like a pinball machine. There's so many things you can do. So many great things you can be a part of. So many opportunities. Peter leaves the boat here when he knows that it's Jesus on the water and not a ghost. And for a little while, he's walking with the Lord. It's incredible what's going on here and Peter does the impossible but then things change and in the text here he took his eyes off Christ and he began to focus on the storm and so many of us do that <clears throat> distractions can really lead us down now, distractions, as you know, come in two forms. Sometimes they're the obvious, and I'm telling you, the thunder booms, the lightning cracks, the winds whip, the waves break, the obvious things around us that are really, you know, just tossing us to and fro. There's a storm here going on around Peter, and it's easy to see why the guy gets afraid. Everything is like beating against him, and he starts looking at the waves and taking his eyes off of, of Jesus and just a few moments ago, when he was hiding in the boat, and now he's exposed right out in the middle of the sea, out in the middle of the storm, and it starts to overtake him. He turns his focus from God, who is the source of power and peace, to the other things that are around him. How often we do that. And you know what? When you do that, when you let go of Christ, and you're not focused on God, you are going to have things just multiply so large in your life. Things are going to overcome you. The distractions are going to split your focus. You know, one time I had an older vehicle, and it was giving me a lot of trouble, and I just assumed it was the battery. And one day I went out, the thing wouldn't start, and uh, I thought, something's wrong with this thing. I jumped in my other vehicle. I was so blessed to have it. I didn't have a set of jumper cables. I went down to Napa or wherever it was and got a new battery, came home, raised the hood, and lo and behold, however it happened, I do not know, but the cable was disconnected. It was really loose. I didn't need a new battery. I just needed to make sure the cable was connected to that battery. And so oftentimes, we assume and we let things just take over in our life. Jesus is the power, I want to remind you, that's greater than any problem you have. First John 4 says, the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. And if we focus on our problems and all of our challenges, you're going to lose sight of the greater thing in life, which is Jesus Christ. But it's not only the obvious things, friends, but it's also the subtle things that can eat away at your life. And I got a lot of offers, I don't know about you, but to do a lot of things in this world. This is probably my Achilles heel because there's so many wonderful things, so many great ministries, so many awesome events, so many opportunities, things you can really get involved in. The problem is you get too busy. And I have a friend who says, if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. And you know, that's a problem I think we all suffer from. You can get distracted by the good things as well as the bad things, those subtle things that all of a sudden eat away at your time and keep you from doing the great things that the Lord wants you to do. And those problems that we have can become so magnified in our life. Let me remind you that the mountaintops are the places for inspiration and for these wonderful views. If you've ever been to the Blue Ridge or wherever those places are, you just like a sunrise and sunset. It's amazing. But you know, it's down in the valleys is where the fruit's growing. Those challenging times is where we're going to really grow and mature I wonder today, your eyes are still on Christ. you got to dispel the disillusionment. you got to look away from all those things, defeat the distractions. And lastly, I want to say to you, friends, you got to destroy the doubt. You can't live in two minds. It's crazy to have one foot here, one foot there. You just split your pants. Doubt is in two minds, living in two minds. Your heart becomes so ineffective. Your life is so disjointed if you got a fork in the mind. Trying to go this way and trying to live that way. You may have heard the story about the soldier there. Uh, some time ago, he uh, uh, you know, took a prisoner. He got on his walkie-talkie, told his commanding officer, hey, i got a prisoner. The off- uh, commanding officer said, well, bring him in. soldier said, I can't do it. He said, well, just come yourself. And he said, I can't. The prisoner won't let me. And, you know, doubt and inner division in your heart and mind is that kind of thing. It just dominates you. When Peter got into the boat, the disciples were worshiping Christ, and we get the feeling here that this worship was different. Now, I get the impression here that there were more than a couple of storms going on during Jesus' ministry, because if you turn back, amazingly, just a few chapters... Six or seven chapters before, the disciples, they're out with Jesus on the boat, and another storm hits. Sound familiar? It's early in Matthew 8. The disciples are in the boat, and the storm comes in, and the storm is so bad they think they're going to die. Does that sound familiar? Here they are again thinking they're going to die out in the middle of the sea. Probably happened several times. But this time, Jesus wasn't walking on the water. What, What does it say? He was there in the vessel with them, and he was down below asleep. And they go and wake him up, and all of a sudden he comes up says, Hey, what are you worried about? He speaks to the wind and the sea, and everything goes calm. And they're completely astonished. They say, We can't imagine. Who is this guy that even the sea, the winds, it it all listens to him? But then compare that with this text, what they say here. Now they say, This guy's the son of God. Not just who is this guy, but they're like, this guy's the son of God. How did they get from what kind of man is this? This guy's really the son of God. Something happened here is the point that's been transformative in their life. Something about the experience where they opened their eyes to the power and the ability of Christ. They said, this guy really is the Son of God. Before this encounter, Jesus was just an amazing man, but now the disciples saw him for far more. They said, this guy's the Messiah. And so how can you today, I want to say, see Jesus for who he really is? How can you move from seeing Jesus as just a great man because everybody in this culture acknowledges Jesus is a good guy? but has he been transformative in your life? Have you welcomed the Lord into your life? Have you stepped out of the boat? You know, uh, even though Peter doubted, let me just tell you, he still believed, didn't he? And great thing about Peter is that every time he fell, he rose again. It must have been true, even his failures, even the Mishaps, uh, those moments where he denied the Lord, somehow he recovered from that and it brought him closer to God. Now, here some time ago, I heard the story the musicians at a particular church, like nails on a chalkboard, kept talking about the poor organ. And there, or the piano whatever it was they said this thing is so out of tune it's so problematic it, it needs that the keys are sticking it, the thing is terrible and they whined and wailed week after week month after month at the board meeting and they're like something's got to be done and finally the board at the end of the year they said all right we're going to do something they sent it out for a paint job And you can just imagine that kind of thing. But you know, isn't that what we do? A paint job? People settle for a paint job rather than a tune up or just to get a new one. You need a new life, you need a new heart. It's easy to play a Christian in this world. Jesus is a good guy, doing good things, serving. But how faithful are you? We seek the comfort today instead of challenge. We want the rest and not the responsibility. We want the fulfillment but not the faithfulness. When we look for a paintbrush instead of a toolkit. And if you're going to deal with this, if you're going to really be the biggest loser and have an abundant year of life and joy, you've got to get real. And you need to give your life to God. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. You've got to put your Life, your heart in the hand of Jesus. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you so very much for being there with us. Even though we fail, even though we let delusionment take over our life, doubts seep in, questions and skepticism seem to just take over. Lord, one more time, we come before you. We lift up the hearts and souls here today that are joining us online and others, Lord, here today in our sanctuary. And as we embark on this journey of 2022, that we would just get real with you. We would shed anything that's weighing us down and that we would come to you and have our lives transformed by the power of your spirit. Oh, speak to hearts today. Hear the cry of every soul here. The fears, the burdens, the anger, whatever it is, Lord, that people are bound to and addicted, free them today. They might fully trust in you and be faithful as your disciple. For we pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 398 is our closing hymn. And let me invite you to stand and to join. And if you want prayer, we're here to join you in prayer. So let us, uh, let us respond to the call of God upon our lives as uh, Jesus calls us. Verses 1, 2, 4, and 5.